Hello everyone and welcome to another special, this time actually surprise, bonus episode of the Rainy Plays Games podcast. I know, not a five week month, but you know what? I'm just having too much fun playing all these games and I got a lot of games coming in and I just want to play them. And what better time than right now? And you may have noticed that this episode is releasing on February 29th, a day that only happens once every four years that is called a what? A leap year. And in honor of the leap year, I'm playing Reap. So we're calling it a Reap year. Reap is a new game by Spencer Campbell, also known as Gila RPGs or Gila RPGs. I think it's named after the Gila monster, the little lizard of the Southwest US, I think. I'm a biologist. I should know this. And it is the follow-up to the similarly solo and souls-like inspired rune. This game looks really, really cool. I'm not even really a big fan of souls-like games. If you listened to my talk with my good buddy Rosso, the artist, he's a big grimdark and souls-like fan. And he, I actually pointed him in the direction of this game after I realized it and we had that talk, but I thought... I backed this game. Uh, we just got the digital PDF in, and I believe my physical copy is already in the mail, so I'm very excited. But I wanted to sit down and play this game because I think this is a very well-designed, very cool solo game. No announcements, bonus episodes, surprise drop. Let's just jump right into it. In Reap, you play a necromancer known as a Reaper. For countless years, you have straddled the line between life and death, and your mastery of the realms is unparalleled. So you wander in search of new powers. The design of Reap is really cool. Spencer did a great job opening it up to the community that's playing it to come up with their own realms is what it's called. Basically, your Reaper wanders the realms of a dying world known as Obron, and each realm has a horror that rules the domain. So basically, you need to go in and reap the soul of this horror which will sustain you as a necromancer just a little bit longer and help bring a little peace to this dying world. Very cool stuff. Incredibly flavorful. The graphic design and art in the game is incredible. It's very evocative, and I just can't wait to jump in. So without going through everything, I just want to jump right into playing this game. It is actually a very simple game, much like Souls-like games, you don't have classes or abilities or anything like that. Everything is dependent on the equipment that you carry. And basically, as we wander this realm and explore the different sites of it, we are going to use our equipment and our spells to overcome certain obstacles in our way at different points on this map. It is a point crawl based game, which is, again, awesome design. Love it. And basically, at different nodes on this point crawl map, there are events, so some things just happen when you get there. Over the course of taking actions in a realm, you count down on realm clocks. So for every number of actions you take, it's filling up a clock and there is a time sensitivity to this game. So you can't just do everything, or you can, but it's going to cost you. It's probably going to hurt you in the long run to do a little bit of everything. And basically at any given point, we can do one of four things. We can and must fight if there is a fight event at that location, which is pretty straightforward. We fight on a 5x5 grid, and 
combat is really cool. Can't wait to get into it. You'll get the hang of it as I start to describe it. You can search, which is an option, and normally these give you either items or resources that you will use in the game, much like Souls likes when you collect certain items. You can use them to heal. I can't remember what they're called in those games. That's how little I've played them. But in this, they're called viscera. So you can find body, blood, and bone. You can learn, which raises your character's lore score, which is a abstract but very interesting way of dropping tidbits of knowledge about the realm that you are in and what happened to make it cursed and why the horror has taken control. Very cool, and basically the more lore you get, you can unlock certain things. Or you can delve, which is face the tests of this world and emerge triumphant. A lot of times delve have requirements, so you need to have a certain amount of viscera, or you need to have a certain amount of lore in order to delve a location. Unless you think this is too easy and you can just go right to the horror and defeat it. Oh no, that's not how this works. You need to attune to a vessel, which is a manifestation of the realm's desire to pass. It takes the form of something different in each realm, but basically you need to attune to it in order to reap the soul of the horror. So we need to walk around and wander this realm and deal with certain things before we can go just take on the horror. For this Reap Year surprise special episode, I'm just going to be doing the Kyrie realm, which is the realm that was included in Reap when it came out. There are already a lot more realms out there. There is the Soul Atlas that came with at least the pledge that I did, but there are also a lot of fan-made realms out there already. It was really cool. I think he did a game jam early on in Reap. I don't know if it was before it went to Kickstarter or something like that, but there are quite a few if you go on itch and search for Reap realms, you will find them. And it's really cool how structured the design of them is. So that way, I mean, honestly, I can see myself playing a good amount of this game. It's got strategy, it's got resource management, it's got randomness, and it's structured. It's very, very well designed. I hope that as I'm saying all this, I don't just die. But again, this is based on Souls-like games. Death is not the end for our Necromancer. So it's punishing. It's not, it's not an easy game. And I like that there's a challenge, but not too harsh of a punishment for dying, because that's the whole point of those games, right? So let's just dive right into it. I have made my Reaper. To do so, you simply just pick your weapon, a couple of spells, and the relic that you carry. In this, I believe your only option for a weapon is your scythe, the weapon of choice, obviously, for any Reaper. For my two spells, I chose Summon Skeleton, and Bone Spear. So I have a spell that will summon an ally for me in a battle, and a ranged spell that could potentially keep my enemies from moving around the battlefield. And I went full bones for my theme because I'm channeling my Locked Tomb, Ninth House, Harrow Hark, Necromancer build here. So shout out to Amber from the DMs After Dark who got me into the Locked Tomb, Gideon the Ninth, Harrow, Nona, waiting for Electo, and my relic that I chose was the Osteomancer's Eye, which allows me to do certain things by using Bone Viscera. And my character is going to the realm of Kyrie. A foul beast has twisted the faith of this island. It holds court in the church and has spread its influence across the land. 
Attune the vessel so you may reap its soul, and cut its song short. As you step through the veil, anchoring yourself to this realm, you find a stone obelisk sitting before you. A powerful source of life and death energy haunts this island, and your hunt starts now. We've arrived at point one of an eight-point island. There is one option to do here at what is known as Anchor, and that is to search. So we are going to do that and take our first action. That also marks off our first tick in our realm clocks. So again, time pressure is on. The corpse of one of the residents of this land leans against the altar. They won't be needing their parts, so you salvage what you can. Choose one viscera to reap from the corpse. Bone, body, or blood. Oh, we're taking bone. Thank you. Off comes the ulna. So from here, we can head to points two, six, or five. And I think I'm going to head to point two, which does kind of take us all the way around the island. But looping that way around will take us to five, which is a little more connected. So we're going to go the long way around. Shouts of panic reach you as you approach the town. Get back! Wandering down the main road, you find most windows and doors shudder at the sight of you. Oh, they don't want me here. We can take two actions at this place, but one of them, the delve, does have a requirement that we do not meet at the moment. So we are going to take the learn action, and we are going to... Oh, interesting, and it says if the second realm clock has been filled, this is no longer available. So, good thing we went here first. Increase lore to plus one, and it says one local is willing to meet with you. Necromancer, we've not seen one like you in a while. Please, they don't realize it. Their prayers will be the death of us. Oh, so they've been brainwashed. And I think our sassy necromancer probably looks and says, Don't worry, I'm here to bring death, but it's not for these villagers. One thing that is a bummer is that we're going to have to come back to point two after we get that item for the delve, if it's required. And this is not a convenient place to come back from. But we cannot do the delve. So we have to move on to point three, and we are already at four ticks on our first realm clock. The Pass A well-worn trail leads through the forest nestled between large rolling hills, and an eerie stillness hangs in the air. Ooh, special rule, if you have lore 1+, which we do from going to the town just now, you roll 3d6 stamina for this fight. Let's go! Keep whichever two you'd like. In addition, you may start in any space on the grid, and the only action in the pass here is a fight. Creatures loom ahead, congregating together. They have not noticed you, and you could slip by unseen if you wish or spring an ambush of your own. Oh, you know. We have an extra stamina. We have an extra die in this fight. We're definitely going to get the jump on these fools. And yet I'm looking at it, and we are going to be severely outnumbered. But here goes. First combat of Reap. Now again, what's really cool about combat and reap is that it happens on a 5x5 five five grid, and there is environmental terrain, right? So some of it is permanent, which just means you can't attack through it, you can't move through it, you gotta go around it, and some of it is difficult terrain, which means you deal less harm if you're standing in that, because, you know, you're worried about your footing and whatnot. So I've marked up the terrain here. It kind of works like a chessboard, so there's columns A, B, C, D, and E, and then rows 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So there is some permanent terrain. Again, this is a pass. It sounded like it was forest, so I imagine those are trees. 
and we're going up against four enemies. There are two Gaunts, is what they're called, one Grin, and one Cultist. They're currently all bunched up kind of in the middle of the map, C1, B2, B3, and C3. So I'm going to start in E3 and get the jump on this Grin. Combat happens in rounds that always go the same way, and the way that it works is before you do anything, you determine enemy actions. So you roll a d6 for each enemy and based on the card that they have, so everything looks like a card, it's really great, everything's incredibly printable for this game, you roll a d6 and see what actions that makes available for the enemy. And then you move the enemy and resolve any of their non-harm actions. So it's really great, you can kind of telegraph what's going to happen if you find yourself in a certain square, but then work to be smarter about it and use your actions to your advantage. Then you roll the Reaper's actions and deal your harm. Then enemies deal harm if available. And then you reap, which is if there are any downed enemies, you can take things based on what they have on their card. So let's start off. We're going to roll in closest to me to furthest to me order. This Grim has five health. Ooh, deals ranged damage. It is a demon, the Grin. Oh, I've been calling it a Grim, the Grin. And no matter what it rolls, it moves one, harms one. Oh, yikes. It's called a wolf in sheep's clothing. All right, here goes. Uh, grins get additional effects based on their roll. It got a four, so it says all enemies deal one extra harm this round. Uh-oh. But because it wants to deal damage at range, it's actually not going to move. So that makes it a little better for me. It's staying where it wants to. Next, we're going to roll for the two gaunts. A six, of course, move to harm four. Oh my gosh. And two, move one, harm two. So one will be getting into an adjacent space to potentially deal four harm to me. Oh my gosh. And gaunts take less damage from weapons. Oh my gosh. This is a much harder fight than I expected. And lastly, the cultist rolls a two, so it moves one, harms one. It's not going to be able to get into range, so it's just going to start moving closer. Oh my gosh, all of these creatures have very difficult abilities and passives. This is not easy. This is a tough fight. But now we roll for our Reaper, and we get to roll an additional d6, so let's see what we get. Three, four, five. We're going to keep the four and the five. We're going to use the four to summon our skeleton friend, and while I could spend my one bone viscera to make it a little stronger, I'm hoping that this gaunt is just going to blast my skeleton into bony pieces and not target me. So we're going to use that Ulna that we grabbed off of the poor unfortunate denizen of this realm at the altar, and it kind of just pop, pop, and just continues to duplicate itself into a fully fledged skeleton right next to me. And the skeleton, every turn, gets to move one and harm one. And then we're going to use our five for bone spear which we cannot attack the thing closest to us, but I am going to hit the Grin, which has the most health in this fight, so I'm gonna start whittling away at that. On a five for Bone Spear, we harm one and pin it, meaning it cannot move in its next turn. Luckily, none of these enemies have any block, which is good, that reduces damage incoming, so our Skelly Boy is going to take a step forward and whack this Gaunt right in front of it, 
dealing one damage, so it goes from health three to health two. We've resolved our bone spear, sticking through the grin on the battlefield, this demon, and has pinned it to its spot. And now we go to enemy damage. The gaunt is going to just blast our skeleton to pieces right next to us and swing wildly to the side, while the grin does get to deal damage at range two. So it is going to harm two because it has plus one harm this round due to its results. So two damage to us, bringing us from 10 to eight health. And nothing is dead, so we do not reap and we move on to round two. Rolling for the grin. Only a one this time, which says, oh no, heal all enemies one. That's the worst one. So everything, all the enemies are back to full health. I gotta target that guy. Rolling for the two gaunts. A three is move one, harm two. So this first gaunt is going to get in the same space as my necromancer. The second gaunt, four. So it gets to move two, harm four. Oh no. So it gets adjacent to our necromancer. So it can hurt us. That's potentially six harm in this one turn. I got to get out of here. And then the cultist, three is move one, harm one. Very slowly coming to join the fray. All right, now it is our necromancer's turn. We got to roll something to get out of here. Three, three, six. So obviously we're going to keep that six, get rid of one of the threes, and we are going to assign them. Oh, I think I got this. I'm going to use the three on my scythe to move one, harm one. So I'm going to move out of the square of this gaunt that got in the same square as me and harm it for one, bringing it down to two. And then I'm going to use my bone spear because I am diagonal to the other gaunt, which is two spaces. You cannot move diagonally in reap. So I'm going to use it to deal two damage and pin that gaunt to that spot, bringing it down to one. Unfortunately, I am going to take the two harm from the gaunt that is right next to me. And I am going to take the one harm from the Grin, who can still attack me from three range. So I take two more damage, bringing me down to six. Uh-oh, I'm not winning this fight so far. And still cannot reap, so... All right, let's see what round three has in store for us. And this cultist just keeps getting closer. Here goes. Gonna roll for the two Gaunts first, because they're right in my face. A six, move two, harm four. And a two, move one, harm two. And then the Grin, a three, heal all enemies one. Stop doing that. I don't like that at all. And then the cultist, a four, move one, harm two. Okay, so he's slowly still getting closer, but not really a threat at the moment. Now we're rolling our 3d6. Can we make this happen? Come on. Oh no, that's bad. Two, two, three. So... Well, I'm going to keep a two and a three, and I'm going to use my scythe to get the one movement to get out of there so I cannot be targeted by anything, so it's a safe round. And I will use Bone Spear for a simple one damage on one of these gaunts to bring it down to one hit point. The rest are still all at full health. But we at least don't take any damage because nothing can target us in our little corner of the map here. But we did just move into a corner, E5, so... Everything's gonna just converge on us now. So let's see what happens. The two gaunts, a two, so move one harm two, and a five, 
move two, harm four, move one, move two, and we are cornered at the moment. The Grin rolled a three. Everyone heals one again. Ah, oh, this Grin sucks. And the Cultist, a six, gets to move two this time, getting much closer. All right, we got three D6. We got to roll something good here. Come on. Let's get a big, strong skeleton. Two, three, four. Come on. Well, with the four, we can summon our skeleton. And with the three, we can use our scythe to deal an additional damage. So we're going to summon our skeleton, but we're also going to spend that bone to make it a little tougher. It's going to have plus one health, plus one harm. So it has three hit points and it is dealing two damage now. And we are going to scythe and skeleton that one gaunt who is going to deal us four damage in this turn. So that one gets taken out and can be reaped at the end of this round. However, we are still within range of the second gaunt who is going to deal us another two damage, bringing us down to four. We are hurting. But we do get to reap that gaunt, which gives us both body and bone. So that's actually very huge for this fight because we can either use it to empower our spells or in between the fight and points, we can choose to consume that viscera to heal one hit point per viscera. All right, moving on to the next round. Rolling for the last gaunt. Three, so that's only move one, harm two. The Grin, of course, got a five heal. Oh, all enemies gain plus one harm this round. Okay, so they don't heal. And then the Cultist, a four, allows him to move one. So he is now diagonal to us. He cannot attack us from this position. He can attack our skeleton, actually. And now it is our turn. Come on, big numbers. Two, two, three. Brutal. I'm getting hurt right now. Well, we will scythe with one of those and we will bone spear with the other so we are going to our skeleton is going to move forward and smack this cultist for two then we are going to move into the position our skeleton was just in d5 and scythe the cultist for one bringing him down to zero health so we actually get rid of the cultist which is great and then we can bone spear for one harm to that other gaunt Actually, we can Bone Spear the Grin. No, we can't because of the permanent terrain in the way. So the other Gaunt is going to take one more damage, bringing it down to one. But that was a good round, actually. All right, we're slowly turning this around. Our Skeleton is going to take two damage, but because we summoned him with an additional Bone Viscera, he has three hit points and sustains the blow. Way to go, Skeleton. Oh no, but the skeleton is in range of the grin, so the grin is going to blow our skeleton up. Thank you for your help, skeleton. Oh, it wouldn't matter anyway, because the gaunt was dealing an additional plus one damage, so see, there you go. Now when we reap the cultist in this round, we get to choose one body, bone, or blood. I'm going to take another bone, bringing us up to two bone, one body and heading into the next round. The Gaunt gets a three, move one, harm two, that's good. And the Grin, six. Oh no, spells have no effect this round. Oh no, I can't cast a spell, I have to use my scythe. That's not good. Okay then, well, here goes, I'm gonna roll my 3d6. Two, two, six, at least there's a six this time. 
and because I can't use it on Bone Spear or a new skeleton, I have to use it on my Scythe. So I'm going to, it says move to harm to. I'm going to move into the corner. It's not gonna matter, I'm gonna take harm regardless. But I'm going to spend one bone to increase the damage output of my Scythe so I get through the Gaunt's reduced damage from its Rigor ability and take out this Gaunt, which gains me a bone and a body anyway on this next turn, but I do take one harm from the Grin, who I am now staring down. I have three health. It has five. This is not looking good. All right, so it's just the two of us staring down this Grin, this demon, wolf in sheep's clothing. It is chaotic. And let's see what happens. So on its turn in this round, one, heal all enemies one. It's already at full hit points, so no worries there. And for us, we're rolling 3d6. That's more like it. 665. I have two sixes I can use right now. And I'm just going to go crazy. I look at this grin and it has been healing its allies. I've been having to work really hard to mow down all of the enemies before me. But I look at it and I just smile. And I just say, left a lot of bones out here with your friends. And I'm going to cast Bone Spear to deal two harm and pin it and then I'm going to move two adjacent to it and I'm going to scythe it for two damage but I'm going to pump additional bone into that to increase my damage output thanks to my osteomancer's eye to three dealing five damage to this grin and killing it in one turn the bones of its enemies just kind of start flying through the air and attaching to my scythe as I just take this thing out and I reap its soul. I get to choose one, any one, I will just replace the bone I just used. Oof, that was not an easy fight. I think that took me like 20 minutes of hard decision making and oof, that felt really rough, souls-like, you know, you start to get in a groove, but at any moment, a bad roll really puts you in a bad spot. But a few other things happen because of that fight. We do tick off our first vessel clock piece, which is you get to fill in a segment when you win a fight, which is repeatable. So we just won the fight at the pass. So we are one-sixth of the way towards attuning to the vessel of this island of Kyrie. However, having to take this fight action did fill in our fifth segment of the realm clock. So the first realm clock is about to be filled with our next movement. Before we do that, I'm going to probably consume three of these viscera to go back up to six hit points. Leaving myself with one bone for my spells and moving to point four, which fills our first realm clock. So we go up and see what clock one says. As we arrive or on the way towards the fourth point, the sound of an unholy choir rings out through the air, starting in the east with a response from the south. Oh, that's cool. And if you look at the map, to the east of us are mountains. So it's coming from across the mountains. It's echoing through the mountains. And it rings out and is answered in this forest to the south of us. Oh, yikes. And we are heading through plains and hills towards this location. And a choir singing awaits us. Oh, it says lose one of each component you're carrying. So leaving myself with that one bone was so stupid because now it's gone. Oh, rough. 
but we arrive at the meadow. A break in the tree line provides you a moment in a quiet meadow. Ooh, quiet after the choir rang out? That's really cool. So it all stops in this seemingly peaceful meadow. Something feels familiar here. Life and death coming together. And the only action I can take is the search action. So I'm going to do so. Filling in the first segment of the Realm 2 clock. And it says, Gain Veil Walk. Consumable. Two uses. When you use this during exploration, you do not mark the Realm clock when you move between points. Oh, very cool. It says, A current from the veil blows between trees here, coalescing in this meadow. You reach out and capture a bit of it in a bottle. Very cool. That's awesome. Now you'd think we've moved from points 1 to 2 to 3 to 4. Next must be 5, right? Oh no. Next is only one option, and it is 8. All the way at the southern portion of this island, and nearby is a skull, which I don't really like. But it says, Acolyte's Lair. Animal and human bones are woven together to form a complex fortress at the edge of the forest. Well, you know, my bone-inspired necromancer is probably a little impressed by this. But there's only one thing we can do here, and that is a fight. It says, grab a book and sing along. Oh boy, here goes another fight, and we only have six hit points to start this fight, so... Oh, and the terrain here is very clever. It uses permanent terrain in the entire A column, E column, one row, and then there's basically an entrance at C5, and then only three squares in the middle, so it looks like a room. And in this, there is an acolyte and three cultists. Oh boy, we already fought these cultists once. And the Acolyte is a unique enemy, which means that if we die and come back, but if we've defeated him, this Acolyte is still gone. Normally, all enemies respawn if you have to die and come back to the realm, except unique enemies. You don't have to fight them again. And this Acolyte looks rough. It has nine hit points. Oh, no. The Acolyte starts in C2 at the back center of the room, and the cultists form a wall in front of the Acolyte in B, C, and D3. And I'm coming in the doorway at C5. Yikes. Alright, so let's roll for the cultists. Left to right. A 2, so move 1, harm 1. Another 2, move 1, harm 1. And a 6, move 2, harm 2. Okay, so all three of them are going to move up. Two of them are going to move into the square right in front of me. And unfortunately for me, that's really rough because no more than two creatures can occupy one space, so I'm kind of stuck in this entranceway. And then the Acolyte rolls a three, which says range two to four, move one, harm two. Yikes. So it moves forward as well. They're all just converging on me in the entrance of this Acolyte's lair, this bone fortress. And I'm only rolling 2d6 for this fight, so here goes. 3 and 5. I'm not sure if I can do this, but it does say you're going to make mistakes, and I'm going to bend the rules a little bit to give myself some help. I have no viscera to make this skeleton any more powerful, but I'm going to summon my skeleton in the square with the two cultists right in front of me. And I'm going to 
say that because it's going to move by the end of its turn it won't be occupying that same space so summon my skeleton with the five and with the three i'm going to simply just harm one with my scythe me and the skeleton will combo on the same cultist so that brings the cultist down to one but unfortunately i'm going to take quite a bit of damage unless i use my skeleton to absorb some of the damage from the cultists which i think i'm going to do the cultist that's going to deal two damage is actually going to turn and blast my skeleton into a bunch of rubble while i'm going to take one harm from the other cultist and two harm from the acolyte for three damage bringing me down to three uh-oh good thing there are bones all over so here goes cultist one a three so move one harm one cultist two move one harm two cultist three move two harm two so i'm going to take four damage from these cultists if i don't do something and the acolyte another three so move one harm two with a huge range here all right so my turn a two and a five yep we're going to do the exact same thing we did last time we just need this skeleton to basically be a meat shield or a bone shield for us here so we're going to scythe the cultist who would have dealt two harm to us this turn so that's great summon the skeleton and it's going to stay in that same square with the other one and whack cultist two for one hit point and then it's going to take the two damage from that cultist and once again explode in wonderful defensive position but then i'm taking two harm from this acolyte again bring me down to one hit point oh no and i haven't even hit this guy yet but i can reap from the cultist and i will take a viscera that will be bone i guess and actually i just remembered that technically this acolyte should have been attacking the closest creature to it which would have been my skeleton on a lot of these turns but because i've been summoning the skeleton and it's getting blasted and then whatnot if you go back i probably did this right we'll see all right another round here goes cultist number one five move one harm two cultist three same thing acolyte there it is the six. Oh, range zero to one move two aria special ability harm two so the cultist has to get into range with us move forward actually it can move two so it's going to get into the same space as us Aria heals all enemies by one, bringing that other cultist back up to full hit points. Bummer. And now we go. I need a huge roll here. Five and six. Okay, let's see what we can do here. We are going to use the six on our scythe so we can move to harm two, get out of the range of these cultists, swing around the corner into the room, and use the five to summon another skeleton in an adjacent space, which is going to be d3 but we're going to use a bone to empower it so it has three hit points and deals two damage instead of one it moves to c3 and is going to attack this acolyte for two damage bringing it down to seven and i'm going to scythe that acolyte for another two damage bringing it down to five now the acolyte is the only one who can deal damage here and i'm going to say that it does attack our skeleton it does say harm two so our skeleton is down to one hit point but is still up for the purposes of this fight and i live one more round let's see if we can keep it going all right cultist one 
A three, move one, harm one. That's good. Cultist two. Two, move one, harm one. Very cool. So that one's going to move here. This one's going to move into the same space as the Acolyte. And the Acolyte gets a five, which is Aria. It heals itself for one. Bummer. And can move to harm two, but it needs to be at least in an adjacent square. So let's see what we can get with our rolls. Another six would be huge because I can get out of range of everybody. A five and a two. Actually, I can still get out of range of all of these enemies by moving into D3 because the enemies didn't have to move to get onto me. I guess technically the Acolyte would have moved into the position with, we'll say, the Skeleton. And then it can still attack us. I'll use my Scythe for another 1 damage, bringing it back down to 5. Skeleton's going to hit it for another 2 damage, down to 3. And then I'm going to use the 5 on Bone Spear to hit the Cultist in B3 and pin it, dealing 2 harm, bringing it down to 1. And then everyone's just going to gang up on the Skeleton. Alright, do we make it one more round? Cultist 1 can't move, so it doesn't matter. Cultist 2 can move 1, harm 2. And the Acolyte, of course, gets a 6 and heals everybody one more. Come on! So move, can't move, moves into the same space as my Necromancer. And here goes what we get. A 2 and a 3, that's really bad. Well, I'm pretty sure that means that I'm going to lose this fight, so let's go find out what dying means for me. Death is a temporary inconvenience for a powerful necromancer. If you reach zero health, you die. When this happens, your death energy fuels the enemies of the realm. You resurrect at the same point where you died, full health, zero viscera. In addition, any fight actions you may have marked as complete are now unmarked, and the enemies have been reborn. So if we go back to the pass... Those enemies are back. The one exception is if there is a unique enemy in the location, which there is in this one. If we defeated the Acolyte, it wouldn't be back, but we did not. So we have to restart this fight with zero viscera. Kind of cool, and it definitely captures that Souls-like kind of mechanic. I remember when I was trying to play Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3, I was like, I do not get it. I just keep dying. I'm really bad. And my wife was like, just roll under their legs. Just keep rolling under their legs. <laughs> so in this fight, just imagine a whole lot of rolling underneath these cultists and acolytes. So play that rewind sound. And let's take this battle from the top. Acolyte in C2 at the back of the room with the cultists right in front of it. And we are going to take it from the top. Here goes. Acolyte rolling first for the acolyte. Let's see what happens. Starts strong with a six. Luckily, it's not healing anything because everyone's at full health and can only move to harm to, but it's got to be at close range. So it's going to rush past the cultists. All right. Next up are the cultists. Here goes one gets move one, harm one, move one, harm one for two and move two, harm two for three. Okay. Luckily, move two, harm two is not going to be able to close the gap with me because only two creatures can occupy the same space. So, unfortunately, they have blocked me in unless I get some crazy movement out of my rolls. Here goes. I did get a six, which gets me 
move two. So I think I'm going to roll through them, good old Dark Souls style, roll in right underneath, and get into the middle of this room, which might be stupid strategically, but I can harm two. And then with the three, I can Bone Spear at least one of the cultists because it needs to be two spaces away. So I'm going to slash at cultist number two for two damage, and then I'm going to Bone Spear cultist number one for one damage. But I still take three damage between cultist number two and the Acolyte. So down to seven on round one. Not a strong start. Round two, Acolyte gets a four, so that's their ranged attack. They're going to move back into the entrance to give themselves some distance so they can attack me pretty much anywhere in here. I don't think they can't hit me now. And then Cultist 1, move 1, harm 1. Cultist 2, move 2, harm 2. Cultist 3, move 1, harm 2. All right. So they're just going to keep moving. They're all going to get adjacent to me at least while the Acolyte holds the door and blocks me in. Bummer, here goes. We got a four and a five on our two dice, so that's good. I can actually make this turn really great. Okay, I'm gonna use the five for, it actually doesn't matter which one I use for which, because they have the same thing. I'm going to use my scythe to move one and attack cultist one for two damage with my scythe, which kills that cultist. And then I'm going to summon my skeleton in the adjacent square with cultist two, where he smacks him upside the head for one damage, killing two cultists in one round. Let's go. And that's going to mean I can reap both of them at the end of this round. And cultist three and the acolyte both get to deal their damage. Cultist three was going to deal two damage, so he blasts my skeleton and acolyte deals two damage to me with the ranged spell. So I'm down to five but I do get to reap two viscera from these cultists, and I'm going to take two bones for sure. Both the Acolyte and Cultist 3 are at full health, but we can, we can do this. I believe in my bony necromancer here. So here goes Acolyte's next round. Gets a five, so they're going to heal, but that's awesome. They need to move to harm two, but they need to be at least adjacent, so we might be able to get out of the way. And then only a one for the cultists. So they're both going to move into the same spot in the dead center of the room. They're in C3. So basically, I need to move into a diagonal position. Let's see what I get on my 2d6. Two and three. Not good. But I can actually use that to, with my scythe, move one to get diagonal to them so neither of them can hit me. And then use bone spear to deal one damage to one of them. I'm going to deal it to the... I think I'm going to deal it to the cultist, as dumb as that sounds. So I'm going to deal one damage with a bone spear to the cultist. All right, that wasn't a bad round. Here goes. Next round, Acolyte. A two. Move one, harm one. Range zero one. So that's really good. Might be able to keep running away from this Acolyte. And then the cultist gets a five, which is move one, harm two. So they're going to split up. Acolyte's going to move to B3, and Cultist is going to move to C4, so their pincer attacking me from either side in this corner of this room. If I roll a 6, though, I get pretty good. Come on, roll a 6. A 2 and a 5. This is actually good. I'm going to use the 5 to 
move into the same position as the cultist and deal two damage, taking it out. So I can reap that cultist. Let's go. And then the two, I can bone spear the acolyte for the first bit of damage on it. Okay, this fight's going much better this time. And I'm going to reap. This time I'm going to reap a body because I can use that when I summon my skeleton to give it even more health. I need to summon the skeleton again. We need to two-on-one this. Turn the tides of this fight. We do bones, MFers. All right, so just me and the Acolyte now. Here goes. On its turn, it's going to, of course, heal itself back up to full health. But it needs to move to harm two and needs to be at least adjacent to me. So let's see if I can move to get out of position. It's going to move right into my square. And I got two threes. Not good. Just because I'm going to combine them into a six so I can move two and give myself space, buy myself another turn. Not the most riveting audio, but you know what? I'm trying to live. I've died enough in this game. Once was enough. Here goes. Next turn for the Acolyte. A one. Move one, harm one. So it moves into the dead center of the room. C3. Let's see what I can do. That's more like it. A four and a six. So I'm going to... Use my scythe movement to move one into one of the corners, B2. Not going to be able to deal the damage, but with the six, I'm going to summon my skeleton and I'm going to pump a bone and a body into it. So this skeleton has five health and deals three damage on hits. So it closes the gap and hits this acolyte for three damage, bringing it down to six. And the acolyte can attack it back for one harm, but it has five health. So... Here come the bones. Acolyte's next turn. Of course, it heals itself for one and can deal two harm in a zero to one range. And then what do we get? Two fours, interesting. Well, first I'm going to harm one pin. So it takes one damage from my bone spear and then I will use the other four to move one harm two with my scythe, bringing it down to four. And then my skeleton deals two damage, bringing it down to two hit points. It's then going to harm two against my skeleton, but my skeleton still has two health left. So let's go. We got this. Acolyte is going to try and use its ranged move. So it gets to move one out of the spot of the skeleton and is targeting me with its ranged attack. But what do we get? Three into four. Skeleton's going to go in and deal damage. And this fight is over. Let's go. We finally did it. After winning the fight, gain the Acolyte's Key, which we can use back at location two, if you recall, and increase your lore by another one. So we are at lore plus two, which by both winning a fight and getting to lore two, we mark off two other segments of our vessel clock. We are halfway to attuning to the vessel. Let's go. Only took dying one time. Now we could backtrack to location number two, but I don't want to go back through that pass and fight those people again. So as dumb as this may be, I still have one bone left. I'm going to heal to get back up to six hit points. And I'm going to travel to point five. Let's see what happens there. We are halfway to the second clock of the realm. But we get to point five, the forest. Oh, shucks. The dense forest of this realm is teeming with life. It grows unnaturally, as if it is responding to your presence. Special rule, this fight cannot be ignored. As soon as you enter it, you must complete this fight. Oh no, oh no. Well, I have six hit points, and it says here, the canopy above shields you from the bright sun as you wander the forest. However, a wave of heat 
warns you of a roaring fire nearby. And we have to fight three Ashborn. Each has four health. Oh no. It does need to get up in my face to hurt me, so... Mobility is the name of the game, and I did not pick those spells. Sort of a similar terrain to this fight. Columns A and E are both blocked, so you just have a thin hallway of columns B, C, and D. There are three Ashborn in B2, C2, and D2, and we start in C5, so we're at the bottom middle of this grid. All right, and these Ashborn are monsters. It says, Holy Incense Raised in Him. They have a special ability called Burn. It says, Take one harm the next round if you do not move. Oh. That's if they attack and trigger their burn. So if I don't move, I take additional harm. Okay, here goes. We're going to roll for Ashborns 1, 2, and 3. A 5. So move 2, harm 1. Cannot get to a spot where it can hurt us. 3 on the second one. Same thing. Move 2, harm 1, burn. And of course, there it is. 6. Oh, move 1, harm 3. So they don't fully close the gap on me. One of them is going to be able to hit me if I don't do something about this. I roll a three and a four, so what can I do? I can move into D5, so none of them can hit me, and I can summon my skeleton, which is going to be summoned into C5, move into B5, and attack Ashborn number one. It will take one harm, but it will survive till the next round. So Ashborn number one, takes one harm, bringing it down to three, and the rest don't get to do anything. So let's go to round two, Ashborn number one, rolls a three, move two, harm one. It's gonna move on to the same location as my skeleton. Two for Ashborn two, so it's just gonna move into C5, adjacent to me and my skeleton, and be able to deal one harm, no burn, that's good. And the last one is going to move to harm one and burn. So it moves into the same spot as me. If I get a six, this could be huge for me just to get out of the way. Another three and a four. Well, my skeleton is going to move so it doesn't take the burn damage and is going to attack this Ashborn one for another one damage, bringing it down to half health. I'm going to use my three to move one harm one with my scythe on Ashborn number three for one damage. And then I'm going to use my four for bone spear, which will attack cultist number one for an additional damage and pin it there. So skeleton goes down to cultist one and I take one damage and burn from cultist three. I said cultist, these are Ashborn. Come on now. We're done with the cultists, right? We're totally done. We're not gonna fight any more cultists in this realm right? All right, here goes. Ashborn one. Of course, a six. Move one, harm three. Well, it can't get close enough. Two gets move one, harm one, no burn. This is great. And three gets move two, harm one. So it gets into the same spot as me and I might burn. And I get two twos. This is terrible. But actually, I can use that. I'm going to just continue basically retreating. I'm dancing around them. I move one north to D3 and slash at Ashborn number three, bring it down to two hit points. And I'm going to Bone Spear Ashborn number one to take it out. Now, unfortunately, I cannot reap that particular Ashborn until I get closer to it. So 
Just going to mark that. And we're going to move on. I'm going to take one damage and potentially burn. So I'm down to five. But I will likely move next turn and be okay. So here goes. Ashborn two. Six. Great. Move one, harm three. Yeah, it is threatening me pretty good right now. And burn. And Ashborn three. Only gets a two, so move one, harm one. Still in the same spot as me. No burn. Come on. Gotta move. Two fives. That's huge. I am going to move and take out Ashborn number three. So I can reap that at the end of the turn. Ashborn number two can't attack me because I'm diagonal to it in D2 while it's in C3. And my other five, I'm going to summon my Skelly Boy. So here comes Skeleton, who runs right into it and is going to deal one damage. And then take the hit and immediately blow up. All right, me and one Ashborn. This is easy. Four. Oh, I get to reap. I get a body. Four is move to harm one, so it is now in the same spot as me because of the increased increased movement that it can do. And I get, there it is, a four and a six. It only has three hit points left, so I'm just going to move to harm two with my scythe. But I'm only going to move one, scythe it, and then I'm going to summon my skelly boy. And skelly boy is going to take it out. I get to reap two more body. So... Decent Viscera. I'm at 5 health, so halfway. I should probably take it to go up to full, but I'm going to chance it. And unfortunately, that's the only thing I can do in the forest. So we are 4 out of 6 on the realm clock number 2, and I got to get moving. See, this is the time thing. If realm clock 2 happens, I, I, just, I have to assume that the longer I take to confront the horror, the stronger it's going to be. It's just got to be the way it is, right? All right, so from five, I can go back to one, where we could go back to two and use the Acolyte's key. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to seven, which marks off our fifth realm clock. And there I'm going to use the one action to learn and trigger the second realm clock. But let's read location number seven is the boat. A small group of locals are arguing around a small boat. They stop and form a protective wall upon seeing your approach. But because I can learn here, it says increase lore, plus one, so we're at three lore now. And in addition, learn the horror's name. It's not a beast you seek. It's one of our own. The high priest Lysander has been twisted. Their gospel is a most vicious spell. Nice. Humanity, the worst monster of all. And I forgot to mark, we get another vessel segment filled in for winning a fight. And then we get an additional vessel segment for learning the horror's name, Lysander. And clock two says, the sky darkens as a rolling fog covers the land. Ooh, I love that. Right after learning the horror's name, some boatsmen are like, you're not looking for a monster. You're looking for a man. He casts a twisted spell with his hymn. And that choir is ringing out, and a fog and dark storm clouds kind of roil over this coast. Nice, very good imagery right there. But it says, no immediate effects observed. So I'm going to try and confront Lysander before we get to filling the third clock. Let's see what happens. From seven, I can only move back to five or to point number six. 
So we're going to six, which says the church. Organ music blasts through the doorway as you open it, an unseen congregation chanting in unison. The horror you seek is within this church, if you're ready to face it. All right, well, I moved one segment. I'm going to search to get a viscera type. I'm going to take bone. I have three body. Now I have one bone. I'm going to delve, which requires lore two, which I have three. And it says, you know the way to the organ in the church and can damage it. When you face the horror, they don't have access to their organ special ability. I love it. I don't like your music. This is garbage. I brought my own soundtrack. And then delve, no requirement. It says the horror lurks within this church. If you would like to face it, you may do so. Oh, but I have not attuned to the vessel yet. Oh, but looking ahead, I can, I can do this. So I'm going to delve to face Lysander. The horror. High Priest Lysander has seen God. He certainly saw a God, but not the one he was looking for. Ever since that fateful day, he's been playing that organ in the church. At first, the locals were worried, and then they joined along. The song is infectious, slowly changing anyone who lends their voice. Time to put an end to the music and reap Lysander's soul. Because we have completed two of the realm clocks, there is a fight before the boss fight. We have to fight through the congregation and we are going to have to fight another one of those Grin. Oh, that was a pain in the butt. And four cultists. Oh, geez. That's not... That's not good. Okay, well, let's fight through the congregation to get to the horror himself. What's the battlefield look like? Interesting. So, A2, B2, D2, and E2 are blocked. And then most of the C column is difficult terrain, which you deal less damage on. The Grin is in C1, and then basically boxed around it are the cultists. Yikes. All right, here goes. We're going to roll for the Grin first. And of course, it gets a six, so I cannot cast spells this round. That is impossible. Oh my gosh. Okay. Move one, harm one. It's going to move into... Difficult terrain and make its way towards me. Now the cultists, one, two, three, and four. Cultist one gets move one, harm one. Luckily it's in the back. Move one, harm two for cultist two. They're following the grin. And now cultists three and four are closer to me. Might be able to close the gap. Luckily not, move one, harm one, and nice. Move one, harm one as well. So. They cannot get to me. I cannot cast spells this round. So here's to hoping some scythe magic happens. Yikes. A one and a five. The one is useless. The five is move one, harm two. Cultists only have three hit points, so I can move to d5, spend a bone, the only bone I have, to increase my damage output and take out cultist one, which allows me to then reap something, which I will just get my bone right back. Ooh, good start, good start. Okay, we took out one of the cultists right off the bat. That's really good. Okay, here goes. Rolling for Grin in round two. A four says all enemies gain plus one harm this round. Move one harm one, so it's still nowhere near me. And now we're going to do cultists one, two, and three. 
Cultist 1, move 1, harm 1. Cultist 2, move 1, harm 2. So they're still just following the grin. And Cultist 3. Nice, move 1, harm 1. It cannot get close to me. I've got my distance and I can cast spells this round. Okay, okay. I don't want to get confident in this combat, that's for sure. A 1 and a 2. You've got to be kidding me. I can't even make a skeleton with that. All right, well, I'm going to use Bone Spear to hit cultist number three for one damage. Not great. But luckily they can't do anything to me, so not the worst thing. All right, the Grin. Round three. All enemies deal an additional harm. Cultist one. Move one, harm two. In the same spot as the Grin now. Or actually, nope, the Grin moves closer. Cultist two. Same thing. Just slowly following. And Cultist 3 is going to move into the difficult terrain and not be able to deal me any harm. That's really cool. Alright, here we go. A 4 and a 5, that's more like it. Alright, I'm going to use the 5 to move one with my scythe and get into E5 into the corner. And I'm going to use the 4 to summon my skeleton, but I'm going to pump a good amount of my viscera into this fella to pump him up. I'm going to give him the one bone. And two, I think, of the body to increase his health up to seven, and he'll deal two damage with each thing. And by thing, I mean attack. And he's going to attack and defeat cultist number three. I will not be able to reap it yet, but when I get closer, I can. All right. Nobody can hurt us yet. So here goes the grin. A five, which is all enemies deal an additional harm. Let's see if they can get to us first. And cultist one, move one, harm two. It's going to move out of difficult terrain. And cultist two, move one, harm one. It's going to move into the same spot. Here it goes for my turn. A three and a six. Okay, this is good. With the six, I'm going to harm two and pin. I think the... Oh, the grin could have been attacking from range. All right, it's only one harm, so I'm going to say it was the skeleton who takes one. So skeleton's down to six. But I'm going to deal two and pin the grin. So it's down to three. And then my skeleton's going to deal two damage to it, bringing it down to one. And then with the three, I can move one and deal one harm to the grin to take it out. Let's go! And the cultist still can't target because I am diagonal to them. When I reap the grin, I choose any one. I'm going to take another bone, leaving us with one body and one bone at the moment. And skeletons at six health deals two damage. All right, here goes. Cultists one and two. Nice, just another one. That's amazing. So move one, harm one, and cultist two gets move one, harm two. So it's going to, they're going to attempt to split up again and attack from two sides. Here goes. A six and a two. And I'm going to let Skeleton defeat Cultist number two as I step back and Bone Spirit. And we're going to have to make Cultist number one come to get us. And we reap another. This time I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to take another bone though, because it works with my Osteomancer's eye. I haven't even used it yet. I can get block. Why haven't I been blocking? Oh my gosh. Learn the rules, kids. Read the book. All right. And last round here, just the Cultist. Who does get the six? Move two, harm two. So in anger of everyone else going down around them, they're just going to charge right at our Necromancer. 
but we get a four and a six. So between me and Skeleton, easily take out the Cultist. We're going to reap two more things. We're going to max out on Bones, and we're going to take another body. And now, we can attempt to kill Lysander. Oh, it's apparently in a different place. Do I still have my skeleton? My beefy skeleton? Uh, we'll say I don't, for whatever reason. Because the terrain is different now. Alright, let us fight the horror that is Lysander. And luckily, it is not Lysander reborn. If we allowed all three clocks to go off, we would have had to fight him at an even stronger level. So here goes, let's set up the battlefield which is permanent terrain, B2, C2, D2, and difficult terrain almost everywhere else. That's crazy. Oh, but it kind of looks like, it kind of looks like a church. That's kind of cool. B2, C2, and D2 are permanent, kind of like an altar. And then rows three through five in A, B, C, and D are difficult. So it's almost like pews. Lysander is in C1 at the far end of the room and standing at the complete opposite end very cinematically is our necromancer. I have come for you, Lysander, you horrible, horrible person. Stop twisting these island folk. And Lysander, oh my gosh, 14 health and crazy abilities, but luckily we broke the organ so it doesn't have the organ ability, which says at the end of every round, the organ plays the next part of the Kyrie. A new effect is added at the start of each round. Oh my gosh. He'd have been able to summon people. Oh, this is crazy. Heal himself. We got so lucky we broke that organ. All right. Well, let's see what happens as we fight Lysander. First round. Only a one. Move two. Range two or three. Heal one. Harm one. Oh my gosh. He heals himself. All right. Well, he's going to move two into E1. Let's see what our necromancer can do. Let's go. That's a six and a three. So you know what we're doing with that six. We're summoning big old skelly boy. We're pumping all our viscera into the skeleton. That's the strat right there. You know, when I played Divinity Original Sin 2, I played the summoner, and I just put everything into summoning the biggest, beefiest tanks for me. And this is why I did it. Summon skeleton to be my bone shield, and then hopefully I can bone spear on the other turns. All right, so big old skeleton... We're pumping two body viscera into this and three bone viscera. Let me do the math real quick. This is going to be crazy. So with two body, it gets plus two health for each of those. So that's bringing it up to six health. And then three bones gives it plus one health for each of those. So nine health for our skeleton and plus three damage on all of its attacks because of the three bones. This thing is a behemoth of a skeleton. And with the three, I will simply just move forward, and we are closing the gap to Lysander. All right, round two. Feeling pretty good. I still only have five hit points, though, so this could get bad. A four for Lysander. Move three, block one, harm two, range zero to one. Wow, this is a crazy one. Okay, so it can move three. One, two, three. It can get into position next to our skeleton. Luckily, not our necromancer it's going to block one which means that all incoming damage is reduced by one but if me and my skeleton hit it it only blocks one total damage for the turn so basically after that one damage is negated all other damage goes through 
but our skeleton is going to take two harm. But it's a tank. That's why we built it. All right, let's see what we get. A two and a three. Not great, but not the worst, actually, in this situation. Skeleton is going to step forward and whack for four damage, bringing Lysander down three hit points to an 11. And then with our two and our three, we can start with a bone spear for one damage. And then we can move up one, not into difficult terrain, C3, we are surrounded by difficult terrain, and deal one more damage with our scythe. Down to nine. That was a pretty good turn for us. And all that happened was Skeleton took two harm, so down to seven. Not bad. All Think of this too, all the while he's singing like a hymn that's just trying to sway all of these cultists that he normally would be recruiting into this fight and healing himself and doing all this stuff but the organ is broken and it's just him and the sound of his voice is desperate and more desperate and more desperate i can just hear the fromsoft score or you know soundtrack to this be pretty epic all right here goes what's he gonna do on round three only a two range two to three move to heal one harm one okay so he's going to go for ranged he's gonna back out of the difficult terrain and he is going to attempt to cast a spell he can hit me or the skeleton but the skeleton is bearing down on him so I think that he's going to target this skeleton again for only one harm but he heals one and our skeletons difficult terrain so not dealing as much damage all right what do we get that's another six and a three. So technically from where we're at, can I target him with a bone spear? It says if you can draw a line from any of your corners to any of their corners and not go through permanent terrain, you're good. So I can from C3 to E2 bone spear him with a six. So that's gonna deal two harm and pin him in that spot. That's huge. Then our skeleton moves one closer and is going to attack. It is in difficult terrain, so it's only going to deal three harm this turn. And with the three, I'm just going to move into difficult terrain as well. I'm going to chase this Lysander, and he's going to target the skeleton with his spell to deal two more damage, bringing him down to, or only one more damage, bringing him down to six. All right, next round. Let's see what Lysander's going to do. I haven't rolled high. Shouldn't have jinxed it. That's a five. So range two to four, move two, but he can't move. Only one harm. Actually, that's a really good roll for us. He doesn't heal. He doesn't block. It's just that he has a great range, but he's stuck where he is. So he can't make distance to take advantage of that range. That's awesome. All right, here goes 2d6 for us. Another six, two sixes. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. All right, skeleton moves into the same square as Lysander, no longer in difficult terrain, dealing four damage to the big guy, bringing him down to two hit points, and I got two sixes. I can go nuts. I got this. I can harm two again with a bone spear, and I can move forward and scythe two, slash open Lysander, and defeat him, killing Lysander. It says here, after you have killed Lysander, you may claim your reward. Oh, by the way, by defeating those cultists and the Grin in the previous fight to get to him, we marked off the last segment of our vessel so we can attune to the vessel 
and it says here, claim your reward. Pages of hymnals have been cut and rearranged into different patterns, plastered to the walls of this church. One pattern resonates with you. Gain the chant spell. Ooh, chant says range two and three. The chorus of the stars sings every night. On a three, four, five, or six, it says sing an unholy song for all. All enemies cannot move during the next round. Nice. And you can spend viscera to deal certain additional effects. And if the vessel was fully attuned when you killed Lysander, reap his soul. Now, when you get souls in reap, it's really cool. You can use it to basically power up your equipment because that's basically how your whole character works. Because this is a one shot, not going to be doing any of that. But if I were, I'd upgrade my skeleton for sure. Bigger, badder skellies. And that was the Kyrie realm. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that that translated well to an audio format because I know it's a lot of grid based tactical kind of combat and the visuals definitely help out when you're putting it together. If you have minis, this is a great solo game to play with miniatures and terrain. If you really want to get clever and creative with it, you can make some really awesome set pieces. And I really loved the puzzly aspect of this combat system. It's really clever. It's really fun to engage with. And you have to think it's very, it's very difficult. Actually, it's very true to the source material, which is Souls-like games. You have to think about your positioning. You have to think about the options you have at any given time. You need to be ready to burn whatever resources you have. This was awesome. This was really, really cool. I think this goes up there with another solo game that I recommend to a lot of people and is currently kickstarting, but we're not going to cross the streams here. But they kind of straddle a line between board gamey structure and consistent gameplay loop, turn loop kind of things and role-playing freedom of being able to customize your character and make choices and engage in as much or as little of like story and role-play as you want to put into it. Again, in solo games, it's kind of a journal-y thing if you want to get really into like the role-play and the emotional space of your character and all that stuff. But even in games like this, you know, the whole time I was just imagining something like a Gideon or a Harrow Hark, something very locked tomb by Tamsin Weir and just imagining how cool, you know, summoning all these bones and skeletons would be in this fight could be really cinematic. So I hope you enjoyed it. Please go check out Spencer Campbell and all of his games. Go to Gila, G-I-L-A, R-P-G's dot itch dot I-O. This is one of many games that Spencer has made. And honestly, I own a lot of them. They're incredible. He's made games like this and Rune, which are solo first games. I know he has Slayers, which is a really cool game. One of the older games he made where, you know, every class engages with the mechanics a little different, which I just think is a really cool, creative mechanic. Um, He has made Nova. He has the Lumen system, which a lot of games are built off of. One of my favorites and something that I introduced my brother-in-laws too because they were big destiny players was his game light which is just basically an homage to destiny and destiny 2 great fun simple game he's got a lot of great games so go check out gillarpgs.itch.io go follow spencer on his socials his twitch streams and his youtube channel are really great he's very open about his game design 
his planning, his business as a game designer. It's really, really great to listen to Spencer talk about games. And I play games. I mean, I don't know. You're here. You listened this far. Thank you so much. Please uh, reach out to me on social media. Say hi. I'm always looking to talk to people and nerd out over games. You can definitely just, you know, come, like, subscribe, send a message. I don't care. Anything gets me excited. I'm like, oh, look, more people that like playing games. You can email me at rainyplaysgamespod at gmail.com. If you feel super generous, you could rate and review this podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Just goes a long way towards whatever the algorithm is or podcast host that you use going, oh, people seem to like this. Maybe we should show more people this. And listen to me ramble. What are you guys doing here at the end of the episode? No apologies, but until next time, try not to die. And you know what? Go reap some more souls.